The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Counselor Lauren Jewell. And I'm your least favorite camp counselor, Tish Delano. Guess what, campers? We have a special guest camp counselor. Yay. All right, guys, we're going to do so a couple of rounds of boom, chicka boom. We're going to have, uh, <laughs> uh, hey, let's keep let's keep our hands where we can see them, kids. All right. All right. That, yep. Side hug. We're going to do a side hug. That's all right. Campers, say hello to Steve O'Dockerson. Hello, nice to uh, nice to be here. The accommodations are uh, are very nice. Um, my bunkmate is a corpse. <laughs> Sounds about so. right. So hi, Steve O. Hello. Hi. Thank you for making the drive over here to Camp Creep. Happy to do it. So I know we very briefly talked about this, but you were telling me that you were not allowed to watch Tales from the Crypt as a child. No, no. Um, I um, there were a couple of incidents where we, you know, we had HBO and we had HBO so we could get the Disney Channel, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember the Disney Channel was Channel Twenty Two, HBO's tw- Channel Twenty Four. There was no Channel Twenty Three, right? <laughs> and you had the old cable box on top of the TV, and how it would go is like my parents would watch. HBO or whatever, and then they would change it back to Channel 22 because I would wake up before them, watch, you know, the uh, upsetting live action Dumbo show. Uh, I, Dumbo was, Circus? Yep, yes. Dumbo Circus. Yep, I used to watch that. Yep. Me watching that would indicate, oh, he's up. And a couple of times I would turn on the TV uh, and it'd be HBO. So I, you know, younger age was exposed to the scene in Terminator where he's replacing his eye, uh, <laughs> which was very upsetting to me as a young person. And also the shower scene in Full Metal Jacket. So, Oof. yeah. And they're just like, well, okay, it's, you, you, you know, you get, you get a bad time with this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yes, I don't really in- enjoy that. And then it was just like, yeah, no rated R movies. Um, <laughs> nothing like that and you know certainly not this show but this was the show that like you'd be at a sleepover yes yep and th- it, would, it would be this show or, or or something else and yeah so I, i'd watched a little bit of it but i i'd largely been unfam- like unfamiliar with sitting down and watching episodes do you have an episode that kind of like sticks out to you that you remember watching as a kid? I don't. Uh, I remember the, uh, you know, mostly just watching the Crypt Keeper, like, like those segments and just being like, it's not funny. Why is he, why is he laughing? Those jokes aren't good. And like, is it? And just, and being confused. And then also being, you know, I knew it was a puppet and animatronics and all that kind of stuff, but I was, I was one of those kids who was trying to figure out how everything worked. And so I'm just like, it was a little bit too too realistic for me to be comfortable with it i'm just like oh i'm good i'll watch i'll watch something else it's valid valid but as an adult it's it's like oh yes this is this is this is perfect to watch and i really started kind of watching them again thanks to this show so there we go Yay. so campers some of you might remember that you hear steve-o's name quite a bit mm-hmm. because he is also the man that did our theme song but he does a lot more than that 
Steve-O. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell the campers all about your music and your characters? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So I uh, work uh, Renaissance festivals as beloved entertainer Hob the Troll. You know, um, I've played music my whole life. I've recorded a couple albums as Hob. Right now, you know, the, the album 50 Million Hob Fans Can't Be Found is available <laughs> on Bandcamp.com uh, for a reasonable uh, $9. If you want to pay more, you are absolutely allowed. Um, my album Pet Smells might be available soon. It's, you know, again, they're all covers, so I have to get the rights for all that, and that can be expensive, so I'm working on it, but I, I, I've done that. I've done theme songs for uh, for other shows. I've done stings for other shows. I've been in bands my whole life, and uh, yeah, and I like I like making music, and anytime I get a chance to do, uh, you know, bleeps and boops, I'm all about it. <laughs> Working with a pair of you to kind of get the uh, get the theme together that was like that's a lot of fun like that's a, I I do enjoy collaboration you know to kind of like peel back the curtain a little bit when we talk about you know the different like eighties eighties movies eighties horror stuff has a very particular sound and it's you know a lot of synths it's a lot but you know you can do literally anything and even you know back in the eighties early nineties familiar with a lot of industrial music and just the it's the same instruments it's the same people doing the scores so I dig on. On that and yeah so it's, it's always just kind of fun to see what kind of sounds and moods you can create and it was it was a lot of fun working with uh with you two getting this uh, getting the theme together and if you need any more themes going forward or you know little stings or whatever i know uh for uh, for other stuff just let me know we happy do. to do it yes no it was good to it was good to uh work with you again i met you a very 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 long yes long 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 time ago in a galaxy far far away flint yes <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and then i didn't see you for a long time and then I one day randomly, you started harassing me as I was trying to cross a bridge at the Ren Fair. That sounds right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, I think I know this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I think I'm MySpace friends with this guy. God. Oh my God, MySpace. Yeah, yeah, we were MySpace friends. Wow. Yeah, we were. That's how long ago that was. Yeah. Wow. I think when I first met Steve-O, I was a very annoying 16-year-old working at a Renaissance festival, and you were in character as Hob, and yeah. you were joyriding slash returning one of those driving oh, yeah. carts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the mil- mobility scooters. I would steal those uh, quite often. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. All right. And for this week's bulletin board announcement, we just have a little heads up for campers watching along at home. There is a brief transphobic joke in the episode that I sure as hell am not gonna bother acknowledging when we go through our little run-through of the episode, but it is there in case you are watching at home. Just like to give that little heads up. Alright, are you ready to go creeping through the crypt? I'm ready. Are you ready? Here I go. Alright. This is your creeperosity. This is from VocalZone.com and since it kinda comes up in the episode, these are bands that have very ridiculous writers. More importantly, I'm just going to read this one. Yeah. (laughs) So Van Halen (laughs) has it in their writer, No Brown M&M's, which sort of comes up in the episode, but it's red M&M's. Now, do you know why that is? Do you know why that's a joke and why that's a thing? No. What writers are, it's like, when a band is coming to town, here are all list of things of like, here's what the band would like, here's that. Now, and a lot of times people focus on the the food backstage but what is also on there is like make sure we need about this much this many outlets we need th- these kinds of 
of microphones, uh, this kind of lighting stuff. And the whole thing about it being the M&Ms, it's, it's to make sure that people are paying attention. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like if you go backstage and it's, it's there, it's like, well, they didn't read the writer. So now we have to go through and check everything. I mean, some people do put legitimately just put it in there to be an asshole. But, you know. Like, I like that plan. Right. It's a good plan. Who, who is it that demands white couches backstage? Was it like Mariah? It was like Mariah Carey, I think, that was like, or J-Lo. It had to be like white couches backstage. And there was all kinds of very diva-y things in the writer. See, I, and, okay, and I've worked, not only have I, you know, been in bands and stuff like that and, and touring bands even, but I have also, you know, worked for doing doing merch. Mm. So I'm also kind of the guy, like, getting that kind of stuff ready or stuff with bands already where I'm counting their t-shirts and doing all that kind of stuff and back of house stuff as well, just so it kind of became a thing so I could also enjoy the concerts. It's yeah. it's a great way, if you don't have a lot of money to get in a concert for free, like, oh, I'll, I'll sell your merch or I'll, you know, go to these record stores, put up your, your flyers, that kind of stuff. But like having white, ca- I've, uh, I've, I've been at that, the House of Blues in Orlando and that's about the fanciest uh, <laughs> establishment where I'm like, well, act, you know, this level of performer has played and yeah, that like, if it's, if it's going to be a Mariah Carey situation, that's going to be a stadium where they, they can rent that kind of thing. But yeah, when my band Manhole toured, I think our writer was just like, hey, just be nice. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, be nice and have beer and uh, and two sugar-free Red Bull. That was it. I'm pretty easy. Wow. Um, Very Midwest of you. Yeah. Wow. Well, Ypsilanti, you know. Right. Mm. Do you, like, nowadays as Hob, do you have any writers? Oh, God. Not really. It's just, well, like, you know, just, just basic accommodation. I'm, I'm pretty low maintenance. Yeah. I have worked events for catering where, like, and by that I mean I've worked just to take food. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, it's just like, yeah, I'll take the steam tray of pulled pork. Oh. I've done that before. <laughs> But but then again, with Hob, it's it, you know sometimes it's the last minute. Like oh, we need an MC twenty minutes ago. <laughs> w- w- what's Hob doing? Love it. Yeah. Nice, nice. This is season two, episode eight for crying out loud. And this is your synopsis. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off an shock and suspense stories comic number 15. Band manager Marty is such a great guy. He's raised a million dollars for the Amazon. But when he goes to <clears throat> donate the money to a great cause, something awakens within Marty. Shenanigans ensue. And everybody gets what they deserve. All right. So we open once again on the Crypt Keeper playing dress up. Today, he's a rock star. Do you think he just like, like what's, what's, what's the Crypt Keeper's wardrobe? I is it just, yeah. is it just, is it just off of like other bodies? Do you think? Right. It's just, like, he's taking it off of, yeah. He just pilfers different cemeteries in LA, like. <laughs> But he's in the crypt, so does that mean he just bounces from crypt to crypt? Like, he's on the other side of the wall, and he can just open the casket Or maybe he it? has people, you know. That's true. That's I mean, true. he does have groupies. I'd do it. I mean, I'd be a groupie. Well, in the episode, he has groupies. <laughs> They're rats. Right. Not roaches, sorry. Aww. And then we go into the episode. So this episode opens on the electric chair, which really takes me back to season one, episode one. Uh, we meet Marty Slash as he gleefully runs to jump into the chair. Love the look on the guards and the priest's face 
as they're watching this grown man strap himself into the electric chair with like the joy of a child going on like a roller coaster ride. Why? Why? And 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 I know the answer is you know for atmosphere and suspense, but what a poorly lit execution chamber! <laughs> right. Right. Just uh, like I know you're using electricity, you know, to end this man's life. Maybe a little bit more higher watt bulbs. I agree. It's it's a very big room too. It's for huge. Like nothing. There's just the electric chair. I mean, the warden was a minimalist, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. all about the the minimalism. So Marty jumps in the chair and he screams, "Fry me!" And then he gets electrocuted. And all the electrocution performances that I've seen in these episodes, I would say he's about probably my second favorite. <laughs> That's high words. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, I really went hard on the people in episode one, so. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of my favorite parts about this is the transition we do between scenes. So Marty is presumably dead, and they zoom into his ear, and when they pan back out, it's two Two years years earlier, yeah, so it's been a minute or three, and he's sitting in an ear doctor's office, and he's complaining about something that he's hearing. Right, and, you know, as the doctor is going through and, and, and talking to him about this, he talks about, like, you know, 200, like, oh, I'm having to spend $200. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. Only well, 200 Right. Only 200 <laughs> uh, Like, for an ear, nose, and throat doctor? Yeah. Good. Jeez. Yeah, don't, don't, that sounds great. And did you see how much free shit the doctor gave him? Like, yeah. gave him his drops right there, the salve. Right the, there. He gave the him swabs. swabs. Didn't, like, have to, didn't have to go into uh, the pharmacy. Right. And, and But at the same time, you know, you know, right off the bat, you, I can say, well, this, this doctor is not, any doctor will tell you, even especially your nose and throat, you don't want to put anything in your ear bigger than your elbow. <laughs> That's, that, that is their joke. <laughs> oh, they love to tell it. Oh, oh they, they, they love to tell it. And, uh, cause you know, they don't, cause the whole thing with the Q-tips is they say it pushes the wax back. Yes. And what yes. you should do is just kind of let it, it'll, it'll make its way out, you know, on its own. The body knows how to, how to do that. Every so often you can go get a, a, a cleaning or they'll yeah. use. Thing. See, well, that well, that doesn't work. That's absolutely hokum. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yes, and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous. People get their hair set on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ash, hot ash falling inside your ear canal is not good. I just use my keys, <laughs> like a gentleman, <laughs> as one should. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Well, it's not my regular house key. I have a key. <laughs> An ear, ear cleaning key. Yeah. Yes. No, no, yes. That's, that's, that's very Midwest of you. Yes. But is it on your keychain? Yeah. Can we see it? <laughs> it used to belong to my Buick. It's, oh, it's the perfect shape. Yeah, it yeah, really is. Yeah, no, that's really, that's that's yeah. a great shape for ear cleaning. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is going on. And I'm the, very that's, careful. It's going mm-hmm. on the gram. Good. Hey, if you haven't punctured your eardrum yet. I had tubes in my ears also. I don't know how that relates to it, but, but Yeah. <laughs> I think it's relevant. It's relevant. All right. So Marty's doctor is super calm and tells him that he's just making shit up. He doesn't hear anything, even though Marty is describing, <laughs> which is muffling, but I guess he can't think of that word at the moment. Yes. Not not weird at all to be hearing muffled screams in your ears. The doctor decides he's hearing aberrations caused by repeated exposure to high decibels. Hmm. And this is a really common thing you actually do see in music. Musicians are people who work in the music industry. I mean, lead singer of ACDC. Yeah. You know, he had to retire, at least for a while, because between music and car racing, he was losing his hearing. 
He had damaged his hearing so badly. Yeah. Even now, for me, whenever I go to shows, I have to start. I'm finally to the age I have to wear earplugs because it hurts so bad. I can't do it. It's always, I can't do long periods anymore. It's a good investment. Like, yeah, just, 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 just put them in. And uh, yeah, don't position yourself near the speaker. Yeah, <sighs> the amps. Um, yeah, I always end up. I don't know why I always end up there, and I'm like, I don't know. The vibrations just feel so good as they tear through my body. I don't know. There's something <laughs> wrong with me. Well, you're also yay tall, so yes. it makes sense that you're in the front, so you can actually see. That's what's true. Yes, and and oddly enough, there is actually a song about that a little bit later in the show. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the doctor says that the only way that will really protect his hearing is if he gets out of the music business. And Marty says something a little ominous. Is tonight soon enough, Doc? But he also gets, as we mentioned, eardrops and a salve that mm-hmm. he's supposed to put on his e- in his ears with the swabs. And Marty gets all snappy because for $200, he felt that he should have, I don't know, gotten like a complimentary BJ or something. I'm not sure. I, I don't, I really don't know would, what this man expected. That would be it. the throat part of the Oh, throat. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, that makes sense. Man, I need to find a different doctor. Anywho. Uh, all right. Yes. Yeah, so we cut to the marquee sign advertising Marty Slash Presents Save the Amazon Benefit Concert starring Iggy Pop. And the Leather Weasel. And inside the show, we are treated to Iggy Pop singing Kill City as Marty stands backstage next to a man in a very offensive costume. I believe he's supposed to be the Amazonian chief. Ah, uh, okay. And this is, this is, this is where the episode lost me because I've been to hundreds of shows of various different types, you know? Yeah. yeah. We're talking seeing, uh, Sharon Lois and Bram over at the Elephant Show over at Meadowbrook. We're talking, Man's you know. Man, dinky dink. Mm hmm. We're talking uh, Fred Penner in a library to seeing Wolf Eyes in the basement of Bannon House in Ypsilanti. Yeah. Right? You know, I've big shows, small shows, I've seen them all. I have never seen a concert interrupted midway to thank the, uh, like, the promoter, you know, especially, like, even even a a benefit concert. Also, benefit concerts like that probably held during the day. Yeah. And usually that would be, like, at the very end of the show, they would come out and be like, thanks for your money. Now get the fuck out. Or, or or before before it even starts. Yeah. Before yeah. before, you know, anybody starts drinking. Because yeah, uh, there's no way that guy didn't get a bottle thrown at his face. Right, yeah, exactly. The most like the most realistic crowd interaction I've ever seen is in the Brady Bunch movie. Yes. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's one of those things that makes me laugh every time when Greg jumps on stage and starts playing the song and throw someone throws a pop can at his head. And his hand, <laughs> and it just like the sound it makes is is just so perfect. But yeah, the fact that these punks and metalheads are very very polite. Yeah, yeah, they're way too polite. Oh. Way, 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 way too polite. Iggy himself is too polite. <laughs> like, well, well, I'll, I'm gonna go ahead and say that's a little bit on brand. And I do like the fact that like punks are showing that they uh, that they give a shit about the that's world. True. They you give know? a shit about the Amazon yeah. rainforest. Like a lot of times, especially in the you know 80s and 90s when they show like. Like, you know, a fake band, it's having a benefit to legalize nose piercing or right, something like yeah. this. It, yeah, punk rock has a conscience. 
So Iggy decides to call Marty up on stage and everything goes quiet. Yeah. Marty is thanking them for helping him bring his dream to life to help the Amazon and calls up Chief Kabubi. Gives him one of those oversized checks and says, we saved the Amazon. And then backstage, it's revealed that, shocker, the chief is just some white guy in face paint and a very offensive costume. But he does offer to give Marty the spear back. And meanwhile, on stage, Iggy starts playing five foot one, and the crowd goes back to being the raucous punks that we've come to expect. Do you think the casting call for that was just like, hey, if you have a leather jacket and, you know, <laughs> yes. punk clothing, like it's, do you, know, do you want to see Iggy pop for yeah, free? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Then Show yes. Up. And yeah. then they, they just have like a, a, like a bin of black shirts for anybody who has a, an actual band logo that they can't clear the rights right. to. You mentioned the title of the song. Yes. So I've met Mr. Pop uh, a couple times. Like a conversation with him at uh, backstage at a Reconteur show where we were trying to figure out how to work a bagel toasting machine. Uh, that was fun. And yeah, Iggy is that tall. Wow. Yeah. Aww. Yep. That's precious. Because you, you, you see him and you think he's taller. No, he's average height uh, gentleman. Jack White, 6'5". Yeah, Jack. Yeah. Big guy. So we're trying to figure out this this bagel toasting machine. I have a shirt on that I had made. Sid Barrett on it. The, yeah. the original guy from Pink Floyd. And he says to me, oh, Sid, that's that's fucking great, dude. And he, he names somebody like, did so-and-so do that shirt? And I'm like, uh, no, I I did it. And I'm, you know, I'm, star, <laughs> I'm, I'm starstruck, but I'm behaving myself. Yeah. And you know, we just start talking about screen printing and stencils and the art scene in Detroit and like, oh, you know, this person and oh, he, so-and-so's here and I'm introduced to uh, Niagara, Detroit and it's it's super cool. Oh, it's, that's amazing. It's, it's absolutely marvelous and, you know, I introduced myself and he says, I'm Jim and I said, I can't. I can't. No, nope. Yeah, he's a, yeah, a perfect gentleman. I love it. I love that. Uh, he's definitely on my like on my bucket list of of people to meet someday. Back to the episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, side quest. We love a good side quest here at Camp Creep. Marty goes into his office and announces out loud to no one, in particular, that the money is going to where it is needed most: the Marty slash retirement fund. Then he opens a safe and strokes his money very lovingly. We've all done it. I definitely did that on Sunday after fair. <laughs> And it felt really nice. It does. Just having a large amount of cash. It might have all been mostly singles. It's okay. But it adds up. Yeah. It adds up. Marty hears a voice. There's no one around. And the voice tells him that he's his conscience. Marty thinks that somebody's playing a joke on him, but the voice continues and tells him that he's been in his head and he's been trying to get to him for 38 years. And Marty does not buy into any of this. He just blames it on his nerves. Important part we just missed, though. This voice in his head couldn't get through to him when Marty was a kid and glued a dog's eye shut? Yeah, I decided to not write that down because um, it made me sad. <laughs> I have tissues. I'm good. <laughs> so he's a year younger than I am now. Good. 
<laughs> yeah. Great. Successful club owner. I mean, corrupt as all hell, but right. boy, well, oh boy. Uh, it was a different time. It was a different time. That it was. <laughs> so his conscience then reminds him that it is a felony to steal that money intended for charity. And he reminds him of what will happen to him in prison. I friendlied up some of the language. Basically mentioned something about Marty being assaulted by the Aryan Nation Weightlifting Club. Oof. Yeah, does not sound pleasant. And also he points out that Marty's not smart enough to get away with this. So his conscience is smarter than he is. That yes. sounds right. So then we're getting into what is what is the self, right? right. You know, <laughs> the ego. Right. The iceberg. Yeah. And we're 10 minutes into this and boy, oh boy. Right. And we're already going down like a rabbit hole of like... Identity. Or identity, yeah. self, <laughs> existentialism, all of that. We're just, we're just going to go deep into it. So while Marty and the conscience are having an argument, Marty is complaining to himself. It's really hard to, to figure out, like, how do you legitimately argue with yourself? I argue with myself all the time, I think. <laughs> I think we all do. I hope we all do. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely, yeah. yes. Oh, thank yeah, God. Okay. I all right, all right. So Marty complains that he's been dealing with this band and like this group for 12 years and about how they're always saying, oh, the groupies are too ugly. There's red M&Ms. Ah, those pesky riders. But meanwhile, outside, a police officer has arrived and is looking for Marty. That's the sound of the police. <laughs> That's the sound of the beast. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, there is a knock at Marty's office door, and he's very freaked out, thinking it's the cops. But nope. He opens the door to find a glorious rack. This is a, this is a very nice rack. Yes, I'm, I'm a fan. Katie Seagal is personally responsible for helping so many young men just stampede towards puberty. Just everybody. Yep. Yep. Just, yeah. 10 out of 10 agree. God, I can't wait till we get to who's that ghoul. Right. So Marty says, oh, if you're looking for the band, they're not here. And she says, no, no, I'm looking for the man who saved the Amazon. And you got to note that she looks like a punk rock Elvira. This is fine. Yeah. Yeah, oh, this the black leather bustier, Jesus. Marty says probably one of my favorite lines in the episode. I wasn't expecting them to send me one of their women. <laughs> oh, jeez. Marty is a very class act, if you can't tell. And his conscience warns him that this is sketchy as fuck. This lady is way too hot. She is way too into him. There are red flags waving, but Marty does not want to hear any of it. So also, his conscience is not even helping him boost up his, uh, like, hey, you know, you're uh, just, wow, that's relatable, relatable. <laughs> wow. Oh. Well, that hopefully this next part isn't relatable when Marty asks to just skip the foreplay and get right to it. And so she pulls out some protection, finger protector. And so she says they need to negotiate. And he jumps to the conclusion, which, I mean, if somebody said that to me right before we're about to get on, I would also jump to the same conclusion that she's a sex worker. But no, she is Miss Kilbasa. <laughs> Kilbasa. But wow. everyone keeps calling her Kilbasa. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Kilbasser. Yeah, it's Kilbasser. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Everyone call like she's Miss Kilbasser, but everyone keeps calls it calling her Kilbasa. I apologize. No, <laughs> I didn't realize that either. But she's his. 
personal banker. God, I love her. Two looks. Yeah. Doing both. Yeah. No. Oh, gosh. Yeah, she rips off that wig. Oh, my God. And, and here, but here's, here's the thing. All right. And yeah. she's, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about it in a second. But if you are running a scam, if yeah. you are trying to pull one over on a charity, why are you going to go for the bank, a personal banker with that kind of scruples? You want, you want, purposefully to find someone who is just as crooked as you. Yes. And also, you're going to pay that person first. Yes. It's just it's just good sense. Well, I mean, his conscience did point out he is far too stupid to pull off this crime. Again, now that's relatable. <laughs> so she says that he never noticed her, but she noticed him and that he withdrew all of the money from the Save the Amazon money today in cash. So I've never worked at a bank, but I have been to a bank. And it's my understanding that if you try to close your account or withdraw that much fucking money, you have to like make an appointment and sit down with somebody and be like, uh, why? Yeah, one million dollars in cash. Yeah. It's it's odd. It's just such an even number. Like even at a benefit concert, it's either always, you know, under or over. It's just like they like we hit a million stop no calls nope (laughs) thank you we have reached the exact amount of money we are going to give to this location right really so she finds sticking out of his inside jacket pocket a plane ticket to Libsyn Portugal it's apparently very difficult to extradite someone from. Lives in Portugal, which campers, this is, <laughs> we did not verify this information, so don't sue us if you commit a crime and run off to Portugal <laughs> and then get extradited. We did not verify this claim. That's a flimsy argument, too. Like, I don't think, I don't think you guys are going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> I will not be learning Portuguese. I am sticking to finish. So she declares that she wants half the money or she blows the whistle. The whistle, sadly, not his whistle. Oh, man. Yeah, so she wants half of it and Marty's fucking pissed. But then he's like calling himself an entrepreneur. This is what he gets for doing all this planning. But he gives in and the conscious is yelling at him like, you need to do the right thing, Marty. And he agrees. He does the right thing for himself. He closes the curtains. He grabs a guitar that he says was given to him by Pete Townsend. And then he bludgeons her to death with it. As one does. If you were given a guitar by, like, you know, an iconic musician. Yeah. Would you then use that guitar to beat somebody to death? Wouldn't you pick like a cheap guitar that right. you picked up for a hundred bucks at a garage sale? Like, and this this brings up a point that I've been in a couple of venue offices. They are never that nice. Yeah, <laughs> they no. are often sometimes. This used to be a closet. Now yes. we've got a desk in here. There's a bunch of uh, shelves on the top with a bunch of papers. Right, and <laughs> maybe there is. Like, the only reason you have, like, band equipment in there is because they messed up a bunch of stuff. Right. You know, like, hey, hold on to this until you can pay me back. Or they decided not to backline the drums, and so you've got to store all the (laughs) everyone's drum kit in your office. Yeah, Yeah. like, ugh. It took me right out of it. It just, I I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe things work differently in LA, but yeah, I've never been to a venue. I don't think I've ever performed in a venue aside from a few bars where the owner actually had an office and yeah every time it was 
a converted closet, yeah. a broom They closet. all look the same. Yep. There's the desk against the wall. And then yes. right about, yeah, just there's either just a mountain of filled ashtrays yes. or, and paperwork. you know, just... Yep. That uh, you shouldn't be looking at, but for some reason it's just out open on their desk. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Soggy Bottom Bar. <laughs> Please let me, just hire me for a day. You can feed me in beer and bad pizza. Just let me organize it, please. Oh, you don't want to. You really don't. No. It, no. No, no, no. no. It, it's, 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 you're just, you're, it's, it's a, it's a different level of sad. It is. It's, and it's a different level of gross sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I have hand sanitizer. It's fine. Yeah. So he then shoves her body into a bass drum case. I loved the way her legs were positioned. Oh my God. Yes, that was quite, let's just say she's wearing leather pants. And as he flips her body in there, her legs just spread apart into a, a pretty nice split. Like an action figure. Like, yeah, like you have yeah. to put away your toys yep. and, you know, storms upside down. Yeah, let's just say, if I had watched this episode when I was going through puberty, I would probably be a lot more gay than I am now. Woohoo! Marty's conscience once again is trying to convince him to make the right choice. And then the cop and the roadies show up at the door, hearing Marty yell and scream. And when they kick the door open, it sounded so bad that they thought they were killing somebody in there. But Marty starts singing poorly. Yeah, you know, just jamming out in his office. Why? (sighs) They show later that, like... The back office is like movie theater, right? There's yeah. like like where the projection yeah, booth is. Really, yes. So if the band is playing, he heard them knock. Yeah. He heard them, you know, they heard something from outside. I'm thinking that he's actually done more for his hearing if he has this office, which is clearly soundproof. Mm-hmm. Right. He's he's doing he's doing a lot more for his ears than doctor is giving him credit for. Right. So, the cop claims that 30 neighbors have called to make noise complaints. And this is just a, this is a, a part where I call shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> These people live next to a music venue. Mm-hmm. He clearly only books rock acts. He's not booking Yanni every weekend. I, I just, I, yeah. What? Yeah. That, that'd be like the people that live next to Pine Knob. That's right. Pine, Pine Knob. Knob. Yes, yep. It will always be Pine Knob. Yes. Screw you, DTE. Anyways, it'd be like those people complaining every time there's a Metallica concert there or something. Like, I I don't understand. Like, I'm like, is Iggy just that much louder? I'm like... Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I granted, yes, punks are probably much louder, but still, like, this is a rock venue. I I just... I was like, I don't buy that suddenly the music is suddenly too loud and he's been doing this for years. But you've also... You've also got to, you know, you take in the fact that they have some of Donny Osmond's equipment there. So Donny Osmond is playing uh, uh, this venue. So we've all been at places like that. <laughs> and his conscience almost makes him slip. Well, he he did slip, though, because he says, I killed my banker. But he tries to cover up by saying, I killed my hearing. They don't sound alike. No, no. But he has the sound guy lower his the volume <laughs> and then says, oh, you know, oh, thanks to these loud shows, I now have to wear earplugs because I'm losing my hearing. Oh, woe is me. His conscience pulls a fast one and forces him to throw his earplugs at the cop as he's walking away. <laughs> 
And that's when the cop notices that Donny Osmond's drum case is there. And the roadie dude's like, oh, he hasn't been here in like two months. And Marty's like, oh, yeah, we uh, we better get rid of that just right now. Get rid of it. Doesn't have to be here. Goodbye. I really like that the sound guy was... See, that and that brought me back in. Like, with the exception of the soundboard just having one control for, <laughs> for, yeah. for, for sound that's going to take care of that, that the sound guy is just the most disinterested in the show. Like, it's <laughs> yep. just like, huh? Yeah. But yeah, that he could even hear, like, like a phone is ringing I, and it's right there. Just Right. Yeah. The music is so loud that 30 neighbors have called the cops, but the sound guy can hear a phone call. Like, okay. Sure thing. Sure Spud. Thing. Spud. Yeah. Yes. Spud the sound man. Thankfully, the cop is a Donny Osmond fan, and so he leaves. And Marty's conscience screams in retaliation. So the conscience and Marty are once again having an argument, and Marty loses it and starts screaming again. Marty grabs the solution and the swabs and he starts like pouring it into his ear, trying to get the sound to go away. And his conscience says, it's 80% alcohol. Let's party. Yes. And then he squeezes a bunch of the salve, which looks gross. It's like almost black onto the swabs and he drives them deep into his ear. And it gets to the point where Marty almost jams a pencil into his ear. And I am so glad he did not because that grosses me out. He stops though because he realizes he has a plane to catch. Yeah, and if he can stop fucking around with the noise in his head, maybe... He can pump himself up enough to leave the office, go downstairs, and into the fanciest getaway vehicle there is. Right? A fucking limo! Yeah! If you're leaving the country, why are you, spe- why, why are you spending money out the door? I had to, I had that note written as well. Right. Like, is it too, to indicate to the audience, like, oh, he's, you know, big deal, all that stuff. He's not going to just, like, take his beater, uh, you know, geo over to the airport, drop it off. Also, if this is L.A. and he's going to Portugal, he's going to have to have it like that's not a one-stop flight no you're gonna have to have a transfer over in, in new york and if he's leaving like that night the, the the red eye for that like you get a good night's sleep especially if, if you're running for the law he didn't think this out no, no no of course not i think he should have dealt with everything that night just rolled with it enjoyed his last night with everybody and then done the red eye thing after the show yeah. at like seven o'clock in the morning and then left been like i'm on my way to the bank goodbye or raise, you know, $110,000 for the Amazon and then, you know, pay a money launderer to transfer that because you're going to have to declare that in customs. I don't care yeah, where you're going. Exactly. So many, so many flaws in this plan, which is a good thing that his conscience does not make it easy for him to escape. As he walks through the crowd, people are staring. Now, granted, he, his face is red. He's all sweaty. He looks tense. But he starts to believe that they can hear his conscience screaming at him. See her face? She heard me, Marty. She definitely heard me. Attention shoppers, we have a murderer in urinal three. That was my favorite one. (laughs) Also, the cleanest restroom in any punk venue ever. Why is the mirror not covered in stickers? Right? Listen. Thank you, machine shop. I've never been in the men's room. 
but at, at oh. my favorite local punk bar that is no longer Love You Kelly's Bar, Hamtramck. But I will tell you, even the ladies' room yeah. looked a hell of a lot grosser than that restroom. <laughs> this place is too clean. I don't trust it. No. I mean, granted, Donny Osmond did perform there two months ago. So, so Marty declares that no one will hear his screaming conscience over the loud music. So his conscience just starts screaming louder. And Marty retaliates by having the sound guy turn the music back up all the way. The crowd loves that. Oh, okay. yeah. They're yes. so happy. Oh, of course. <laughs> Full of joy. And the cop was just about to leave. Ugh. And oh, poor, poor timing. He slams the door shut, that son of a bitch, and goes back into the venue. The level of acting he did only with his skull. <laughs> yes. That's a lost art. Why don't, you know, there aren't actors who are brave enough to just will their skull out of their heads right. for a performance. It's truly magical. Yeah, because you can't hear really anything that Marty is saying, but his conscience continues to scream. So he jumps up on stage with Iggy so that he can start bashing his head onto a speaker. That I have seen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well. That's impressive, but okay, so... I don't know how speaker speakers work, at least ones of that size. When he was doing it, it looked like it was soft, like made of cloth. You're going to have a, a metal screen on that. Oof. Yeah. So he's bashing his head and every time he bashes and he put like there's a and the music dips just a little bit. You can hear his conscience scream, confess. And the cops come up to the soundboard and they take control. Because, of course, the cops know how to work a soundboard. Why that's, not? That's, you know. And they cut the sound just as Marty's head goes through the speaker and his conscious screams and it reverberates throughout the entire venue. I killed my banker. They heard me that time, Marty. They know you did it. The crowd is uh, is quiet, punk show. I'm going at, as somebody said, I killed my banker. Thunderous applause. Yes. Yeah. Thunderous applause. Uh, Just uh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, start screaming about, you know, murdering capitalist pigs. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, pretty standard. So the fact that you only sent one cop. <laughs> well, it was a noise complaint originally. Even still. And, like, the, the sound guy, Mr. Slash, seems to hire no, you know, nobody but those with a lot higher moral conscience than, <laughs> than himself. Boy, oh boy. So Marty starts with confessions about how he killed this banker and goes into detail about how he smashed her in the head with his guitar and, like, tries to give the money back to the crowd. And they're cheering because they still don't quite get it. But the conscience is super proud of him for confessing and then says, oh, but what's that in your ear?" Ugh. <laughs> Marty realizes that he has a part of the swab stuck deep in his ear, and he rips it out, and oh god, you like the bloody part, when the bloody part comes out, I was gagging. Marty's conscience says, hey Marty, something just occurred to me. Do you think that's what everybody was looking at all this time? And they could never really heard me? Oh, Marty. That would mean that if you just kept your mouth shut, you could have gotten away with it after all. That's some big ope energy right there. Big ope energy. And we cut to Marty in prison, and his conscience is in the middle of telling a terrible joke. 
And it's noted that it has been two years of this. And the prison guards reveal that Marty has completely lost his hearing. So the only thing he has been able to hear for the last two years is his conscience, who is currently debating between singing, let's say, Broadway songs. And going over the Ten Commandments, which is a very strange, like, theme this season so far. It's happened twice now. Oh. Do you remember the Ten Commandments, Steve-O? Yeah, it was that movie with Charlton Heston. Yep. <laughs> they show it every Easter. Really go. long. Really Perfect. long. Yeah. Setting them up and knocking them down, that one right there. Ayo. So yeah, the jailers make the comment that he isn't able to hear anything anymore. But then Marty notices, oh, the jailers are here. That means it's time to die! Boy, he is psyched. And then we go back to the crypt, and the crypt keeper smashes his guitar like a real rock star. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that, but that's a lot of money. To be smashing, like, I guess if I got a guitar for free and it wasn't worth anything, maybe then I would smash it for funsies, but... It's satisfying to say that you you did it, but at the same time, you're just like, yeah, there's there, there are better things to do. I think, I I don't think that was a true story. I think the Crypt Keeper was, uh, was giving us the business. Oh. Yeah. That sounds about right. He does like to tell his stories. <laughs> Professor Primrose is a disgraced crypto-anthropologist trying to open a doorway through time and space itself. He believes that the lost town of Cherry Creek, a mysterious town whose inhabitants vanished over 120 years ago, holds the key. Is he a genius on the verge of a breakthrough? Or a madman that needs to be stopped from disturbing the dead? That's for you to decide. So assemble your team and let Panic Peculiar Experience take you on an immersive story adventure you'll never forget. Starting near Northville, Michigan, your team will work as the professor's field investigators, and your mission is to collect clues from a cast of strange and peculiar characters. Your team will quest between historic locations as you uncover more about the peculiar legend of Cherry Creek. Part storytelling, part interactive theater. Panic Peculiar Experience isn't quite like any other show out there. Spots are limited, so choose your team and get your tickets today. For more information or to purchase your tickets, visit PanicHaunt.com. And remember, campers, try not to panic! And it's time for everybody's favorite segment. I'm going to try to sing this. <laughs> Who's that ghoul? Thanks. My apologies for sounding a little under the weather today, campers. Camp Counselor Tish here is suffering through a migraine. And also weather change is causing all kinds of wonderful issues. So, but I'm here for you, campers. I wouldn't miss out on this experience for anything. So, our first ghoul is writer-director Jeffrey Price. This is his only directing credit. Hmm. There's there's a lot of these in, in Tales from the Crypt. Uh, he's more well known as a writer. He wrote the screenplay for this episode. He's written the screenplays for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. Doc Hollywood, Wild Wild West, you know, with Will Smith. And, yeah. I liked that movie, goddammit. Yeah. Well, we all make mistakes. <laughs> the uh, Jim Carrey live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Shrek the Third. 
I really like his credits. Right. He's got some uh, some interesting credits. And then this is a pretty iconic cast list here. Yeah. So we've got Marty Slash, who is played by Lee Arenberg. He started his acting career in 87 and had roles in films such as Braindead, RoboCop 3, Car 54, Where Are You, Waterworld, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and Dead Man's Chest. But I personally immediately recognized him as Dr. Moyer from an episode of Scrubs because he has this epic meltdown because they try to use his CT machine to do a CAT scan uh, without his permission. And he has this temper tantrum where he's just jumping up and down screaming, my machines, my machines, my, my, my machines. It's incredibly iconic. Also, I recognized him as Grumpy from Once Upon a Time, one of the seven dwarves. You know, I think I saw that one. We had our in-laws visiting, and that was one of their favorite shows, and it was just kind of on, and I'm just like, I'd never seen that show, and uh, that was a a trip. But yeah, I'm like, oh, it's that, yeah, I I recognized him from Pirates of uh, the Caribbean. He was a guy along with a guy with the wooden eye. And then we have Miss... Kilbasser, not yes, Kilbasa, yes, yes. who is played by the. Oh, oh, that was the sound of me trying to keep the drool in my mouth. Katie Seagal. Listen, I, I don't know what to tell you, youngins, if you don't know who Katie Seagal is. She has done so many iconic roles. She is Peggy Bundy from Married with Children, Leela from Futurama, Kate from Eight Simple Rules, Gemma from Sons of Anarchy. She's Hyde's mom in that 70s show. I, I literally could just do a podcast about her her career. (laughs) Like, literally. I will help you with this podcast because she is amazing. Yes. She had a role on Lost with Locke. Yeah, she was in a relationship with John Locke on Lost in his flashbacks. Do you remember watching Married with Children and being like, oh, it's funny, they're poor because he only works at a shoe store and they still were able to afford a four bedroom house <laughs> right. in the Chicago suburbs. Right. Also, he constantly thought she was disgusting and treated her as if she was hideous and she was smoking hot. Does not deserve her. No, not at all. Our next ghoul is Iggy Pop, who mm-hmm. played himself. Yeah. So, Iggy Pop, I. Still let y'all do good that. Good God. I, talk about iconic. So, I'm going to cover. For Iggy Pop's acting career. Iggy Pop is well known for being in John Waters' Crybaby as Belvedere Ricketts. He is Ratface and Tank Girl. He's in The Adventures of Pete and Pete as James Mecklenburg. For those of you uh, older millennials, you may remember that show. And he was also the voice of the Caterpillar in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which was one of the Once Upon a Time spinoffs. That's right, that show had spinoffs. I didn't watch past the first season, <laughs> but Steve-O here is going to talk a little bit about his iconic career as the godfather of punk. That's a that's a word that he has a, a complicated relationship with. You know, people started throwing that word around as like a derogatory term to kind of describe this music. That was just, it was just, it's rock music. But they used it to describe it as just like dirty and smelly. And he doesn't really associate it with that. Like the Stooges were a rock band. They were, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's raw, raw power like yes. um like punk aesthetic came from people trying to describe it to other people to the suburbs and then the suburbs kind of taking that and saying like well i like this i guess that we you know we make our own uniform uh from it but yeah just him hanging out with uh with lou reed and david bowie 
and Andy Warhol yeah. just making art, making uh, music. And yeah, he's he's from Ypsilanti. Y- you listen to the Stooges now, you listen to Raw Power, and nothing sounds like that because they didn't do it. You know, it's it's not the polished thing that we're all we're all used to now. And uh, yeah, he's just he's great. You know, good attitude about about everything. Likes to be, from what I've gathered, is he only does things like people ask him to do. You don't really see him going out for like he was on an he was on a couple episodes of uh, Deep, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not like there was a casting call and they're like, is that is that Iggy Pop? You know, <laughs> but yeah, and but a lot of the the whole punk thing came from like, do you? Sp- bit on the audience do you like you you smeared peanut butter he's just like when you're performing stuff happens and you have to be there in the moment you have to be present in the moment you have to be like it's part of the performance yeah my first real introduction to him was the train spotting soundtrack right you know lust yeah yeah. lust for life used in the trailer and then uh, you got a little bit of the passenger played on uh, a on x from time to time and wild one and other stuff but yeah nice guy too right (laughs) I will say my introduction to him was when uh, I lived in Romeo, Michigan for a period of time, and there is a little movie theater in like it's wedged yeah. in the corner of a strip mall. And I actually went to go see Star Wars Episode Three there. Don't judge me. Listen, <laughs> I gave it a chance. Okay. And then as I'm walking in, they're like, "You know that Iggy Pop was arrested here, right?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, what "Hold up, what?" It was the, it was a show, and I knew him as a like more as a pop culture icon than a musician, and that's what got me to like. Be like, okay, what did this guy do to get arrested? Like, I'm really curious now. So next is Marty's Conscience, who, oh gosh, none of us could do an impression that could ever, ever touch on this actor's voice. Marty's Conscience was Sam fucking Kinison, iconic actor, writer, stand-up comedian. Former preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He said yeah. some dirty things in oh, this yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he is, his trademark was that scream. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yes, that was his thing. Um, he was a good friend of Rodney Dangerfield's, which is why he did Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to do Caddyshack 2 together, and then Rodney dropped out, and Sam dropped out due to creative differences. But Sam Kinison sadly died on April 10th, 1992 in Needles, California. He was killed by a drunk driver, gone way too soon. And then we have one more, one more credit, which on the surface doesn't seem like an important credit in this lineup of incredibly iconic actors but you'll find out why this is so exciting for me. So we have Police Officer, who is played by Al White. What? Can I take a guess on why you're so excited? Sure. Is there an after-school special involved? Yes. Oh my god, there really <laughs> is. Yes. So Al got his start in the 70s doing TV and films, and he uh, had roles in Airplane 1, Airplane 2, and Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. He played Walter Brady on The Young and the Restless, and Dr. Elroy Jackson on the show Switch at birth. He was also in an ABC after school special called But It's Not My Fault about a 16-year-old boy who ends up in juvenile hall after trying to prove himself to his peers. And then, just to be extra iconic, a CBS school break special called No Means No. The issue of teenage date rape is seen through the eyes of a teenage girl and her older brother and how it affects their relationships with the opposite sex. So yeah, that's Mr. Al White. Campers? And now... Camp Counselor Tish, special guest Camp Counselor Stevo, a question for you both. Mm-hmm. Did you like this episode? I did. How many severed thumbs? All right, seven severed thumbs. Oh, shit. 
Wait, how many? How many is the most severed thumbs? Two. Two? Oh, okay. <laughs> not a, where not did a, you find these not thumbs? A, listen, you don't know. Uh, you don't, you don't know where I'm at. Oh. I'll do a thumb and a knuckle. Okay. I would give it two severed thumbs up, especially because of the streak we've been on. I have not been enjoying the episodes. This was a return to the Tales from the Crypt that I love. Lots of dark humor, shenanigans, wackiness, a nice amount of blood. Could have been a little more gore, but that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I'll, I'll take it. It really wasn't as gory as I thought it'd be. You get a little bit of ear stuff, but that's that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They there's there's a couple episodes that dip into the gore, but so far there haven't been too many super gory episodes. Mm-hmm. I would also like to rate it two severed thumbs up because it's fucking hilarious. It's more campy than what we have lately. And goddamn, if just everybody in this episode wasn't fucking amazing. Yeah, great casting. Absolutely great casting. All right, and that wraps up this episode of Camp Creep. Yes. So thank you for listening. But before we go, hey, Steve-O. Yeah. Do you want to tell people where they can find you and everything that you've got going on in your life? Happy to do it. You can go to hobthetroll.bandcamp.com. That's H-O-B-T-H-E-T-R-O-L-L.bandcamp.com and buy not only my album 50 Million Hob Fans Can't Be Found, but also a Christmas song that I did called Rebel Bell. Uh, it's uh, and yeah, I'm gonna have some other stuff available on there too. I will also say that your Christmas album is fantastic, and oh, I think that you. was the first thing I ever bought from you, and it makes me very happy. Troll the ancient Yuletide carols. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I recorded that and wrote the songs as I was writing or as I was performing them. All thanks to uh, Lunesta, I think is just I did it <laughs> while on a sleep medicine. I am working on Troll the Ancient Yuletide Carols Volume Two. Turns out it's fun to make Christmas music that is an obno- well it's obnoxious in a different way yes yeah. I love that you brought up Lunesta because that then brought up the memory for me of the one time I tried to take Ambien and strangely I hallucinated that I was in a cave full of trolls so oh, no. here we've come we are we are yeah. connecting relating maybe mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it was Hob. Just multiple Hobbs in this cave. They were just staring at me with their little blinky white cartoon eyes. And I was apparently wrapping myself in a blanket like a burrito and crying <laughs> because the trolls could see me. Yep. So don't take, don't take Gambian. I guess take Lunesta. Oh, don't take that either. No. <laughs> Camp Crate Podcast does not endorse any of these medications. <laughs> On that note, (laughs) thank you for listening to Camp Creep Podcast. If you have anything that you want to say to us, you can reach out to us on our email. It's campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, you can do so by following us wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review on Apple. Also, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Camp Creep Podcast, and on Twitter at Camp Creep Pod. Special thank you always to the guy sitting across from us, Steve O'Donnell. Dockerson. It is me. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> For the fantastical theme music. Happy yes. to do it. <laughs> and do you want to join us in our sign off? Yes. Yay! All right. As always, campers, creep, creep it real. It real. <laughs> <laughs>